Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Human Side of Learning and Talent Technologies, where each week-ish we go into just different trends and topics and things we're seeing in the industry. Uh, we're Bennett, Chris, and Tiffany from Blue Water Learning. Uh, Chris, our CEO, Tiffany, our VP of all global service delivery and pretty much everything else. <laughs> she, she runs the, a lot of the things here. Uh, and I am in charge of our marketing and, and communications, and we just banter every week. Uh, if you've not joined us before, uh, about learning and talent technology, learning and talent management, how different organizations are handling the pandemic with their learning and talent te- technologies, um, and outside of the pandemic, really just everything that's going on um, in the way the world is changing from a skills perspective, from a just-in-time training perspective, just from a how you train your, and develop your employees on a day-to-day basis, whatever you're doing, it's, it's one of the most important things about a business is is keeping those employees trained, keeping new employees onboarded and trained and moving forward and, and supporting your, your business. So uh, we're back for another week. This week we're going to focus on learning and talent management system selection criteria, if you will, and kind of how how you should be thinking about it, what you should be thinking about, where some gaps that we see our clients find themselves in and what they're really trying to get through and talk about and how we help them. So, But first... Um, we're all, if you don't know, Blue Water is headquartered in Texas. We have a, a large amount of our employees in Texas. Last week was Snowmageddon, Snowpocalypse, the, the week hell snow, froze over, whatever snow, you want to call it. Snowpidemic. <laughs> snow, yeah, Snowpidemic. That's <laughs> snow a good pandemic. one. <laughs> and uh, we, if you don't know, we, we dealt with quite a bit of snow, not a lot of snow compared to you know maybe listeners we have in the Northeast or in Canada or that are used to a foot of snow a week, you know. There's certainly but, more than the average of one inch we get yeah, every winter. Absolutely, if that. Actually, we had four, actually, five, we, six, maybe nine inches in some spots. So it wasn't a ton of snow. But it was more snow than we probably got collectively in the past five to six years. That's true. That's true. I, I have a dog that's five years old, and I can remember explicitly the fact that she's never seen snow in her life. So I know it's yeah. been like five years since it's even snowed here, and then all of a sudden we get four or five inches of snow. So it was a lot. But the thing that was very painful was the negative one degrees or the eight degrees we woke up to every morning for five days, six days in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did y'all make it through? Did you Are you thawed out completely now? Uh, or is your house okay? Is everything everything good? Well, it was 80 on Sunday. So yeah. we had a 81-degree turnaround in temperature. So, yeah, everything thawed. Yeah. Everything yeah. thawed. Pool didn't make it through, but... Everything else did. Yeah, we in, in Texas we have a lot of pools and freezing temperatures and, and and pools that don't have any kind of winterization or covers on them. Well, the I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you this: this storm actually finally gave me the answer that I can give back to my children about why we don't have a pool. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. finally have a good reason. You have a to reason have forever. Because <laughs> remember that storm when you were like six years old? That's mm-hmm. why we don't have a pool still. Because exactly. it might happen again. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Can't take any chances. Just go to your friend's house. <laughs> so uh, one thing that I've been wondering, Tiffany, we haven't talked about yet is, you know, in previous episodes, we've, we've had a lot of goat talk. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, you know, Tiff, if those of maybe listening for the first time, Tiffany has lives out outside of the Metroplex a little bit and has um, some farm land or, or just farm animals that, that mm-hmm. keep her company. Well, I have a hobby farm. It's not yeah, like I'm in a farm. residential yeah. neighborhood with like 
a backyard full of goats. So she, she's got a well, kind of, kind of are, but kind of like <laughs> she's, but but with a bigger space than, yeah. than than most residential neighborhoods. So how did your goats fare? How did your mini horse fare? How did all the creatures that make up your well, backyard and surrounding areas. I will say they all feel exactly like I do about the cold weather. Mm-hmm. So um, none of them were thrilled about it. Everybody made it through, though, which is the most I could ask for. Um, and we were all really excited when the water trough defrosted because, you know, carrying buckets of water out there every day was not their highlight or my highlight. So right, and it probably froze. And I can't imagine of- carrying cold water out when it's zero degrees outside and you splash some on yourself. That's. But I didn't carry cold water out. No, I carried hot it, water out. But but it was cold anyway. Yeah, we. But filled you still it up. get wet. We've yeah we exactly we filled it up in the house and then we had to anyways it was a whole thing like it was a whole like process that we had to do a couple times a day so. I'm Sounds very grueling. It, but they terrible. all made it they all made it through it? They're all yeah, they were actually today for the first time they were out and you know, goats are really playful and you know, they play King of the Mountain on the goat toys and stuff and they were actually out playing today. So today's the first day they were They're finally like, Oh my gosh, they're finally, we're finally through this. Past <laughs> the uh, their feelings about the mm-hmm. snowmageddon. Hmm. So so I think what you just described was the greatest of all time toys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goat toys? Yep. Yep, yeah. goat toys. <laughs> we should come play on your goat toys. Maybe not. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I'm like, if y'all want to play with the goats, they're there. <laughs> I, would, I, I don't that know actually if I've ever had the chance fun. to just play with a, what, what is it, a gaggle of goats or a herd of goats? Or, herd. Oh, it's a herd? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think the gaggle is the geese. Oh, yes. Yeah. A gaggle, a of, gaggle of goose. We are getting ducks, though. Oh, what kind of ducks? Um, Short ones. (laughs) Ones with feathers. (laughs) We had we had ducks growing up. Mm. They were a lot of fun. Yeah. Never did the yard look better. Oh, good. At my parents' house because they would go eat all the grub worms and all the nasty bugs out of the yard, and and then they would poop and piddle in the yard and fertilize, and they were great. Two words I never thought I'd hear on our podcast. (laughs) Poop and piddle. Uh, <laughs> they'll also peck as well. So, uh, go, ducks are ducks are great. They're actually quite entertaining. Yep. And uh, they will. Our ducks became like pets. I mean, they would follow us everywhere, and yeah. they know who fed them. They were they were pretty good. Yep. They were pretty good, and they did not fly away because the food was free. Uh-huh. Fly away. There's no food. So. All right. I'm excited. So, are you getting male and female ducks? Negative. No. All males? No. They're all females. Ooh. Get ready for some noise. There's going to be some turf wars going on. I know. So, my neighbor already has them, but they're, when I say my neighbor, it's not like your regular neighbor, right? It's a ways. Well, they're, the person on the other side of them is getting a pool, and they're afraid the ducks are going to, like, try to live in the pool. So we traded the baby goats, you know, the twins that I had. They took the twin babies, and I taken their go- uh, their ducks. It's a good old fashioned barter, right yeah, there. Yeah, little farm trading going there on. We what go. year do we live in? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. That, uh, but in all in good. all seriousness, it was a tough week last week in Texas for all of our friends and families and colleagues and yeah. clients and partners that are in Texas that. You know, might have had some pipes burst or no power for four or five days or 
whatever our Burning thoughts and buildings yeah yeah we had you know just all kinds of crazy things happening and so thoughts and prayers are with everyone as they as we kind of get through this mess um mm-hmm. a lot of us were, were luckier than others as we've seen on the news so yeah. um just do what you can to, to continue to help out those that were affected as, as we are doing with our colleagues and partners and clients and uh, just wanted to touch on that, but make sure everything was okay, yep. um, and know we're we're thinking about everyone else that that was more affected. But as true Texans, we're going to come back much stronger than we were before we entered that winter. So that's right. And it's time to get on to some ninety degree weather. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever been more excited about uh, summer after the week we had last. And week. I promise that's not true. to complain one time when it's over a hundred degrees. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold you to that. We'll That'll see. be good. That'll be good. So, so back to um, kind of what our focus was today. Tiffany, I want to pass it over to you to kind of get us started. Um, one of the things that we kind of always laugh about as, as at Blue Water and just as consultants in general is the fact that we, as a consultant, you can pretty much answer every question you're asked from your client. With, it depends. With it depends. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, it de- well, it depends. You know, we work with a lot of organizations that do things similarly or differently. It depends, um, you know. So, Tiffany, when we talk about like LMS selection and, and how mm-hmm. I figure out all, you know, the, the all the complexities that come along with that, with technology and with business process and everything, what does it depend on? What what kind of things do I need to know that are driving that so I can answer that question when a consultant asks me that or whoever asks me that or you know, it depends. Okay, well, let me tell you this, this, and this, and and mm-hmm. then it doesn't depend anymore because it's clear on exactly what I need to know. Yeah. So, kind of what what do clients need to answer in terms of it depends before they even get into the process, and um, you know, it's there's various different things. I think one one aspect of it is really understanding or knowing what your business is trying to accomplish with something like a learning management system. Um, sometimes when it's a client who's never had an LMS internally, you kind of get this feel of, hey, where can I pick up an LMS? And it's like, well, but what do you want it to do? Um, so, you know, for me, there's a number of things. It's really understanding your your audience, right? So you have, are your people going to be sitting at desk doing training during a regular eight to five job? Or do you have field employees? Or do you have a manufacturing floor? Or you have people working in the hospital on the front lines dealing with a pandemic? So really, you know, kind of lining out who's your who's your audience? Who are your learners going to be? What, what do you want the outcome of the LMS to be? What are you trying to achieve? Is it compliance? Is it development? Is it a combination of both. Um, Are there internal only people that are going to be taking learning or will you have external learning? So do you have a a customer base that's going to be coming and taking training from, from, uh, from your portal? Um, I could go on and on and on. So I'm, I'm going to lean on Chris. You know, I think you and I could talk about this all day long. What are the top three? Well, I think one of the one of the contexts to put in first is there's a lot of people that are in new jobs and roles mm-hmm. that have never purchased learning technology before. Sure. Somebody else did it previously. They might have been on the sidelines or technology's been in place long enough that that, you know, they might have just joined the organization, um, but they've never really done this before, right? And that's critical. And it's when we start talking about learning technologies, 
We're talking about an LMS. So an LMS is core and foundational, but there's learning experience platforms, there's learning analytics platforms, there's XIPI platforms, there's different ways to begin to format learning in the flow of work as pieces of technology. So the idea of learning technology begins to get bigger and bigger, and as some of these newer, more cutting-edge products hit the market, you can look and say, well, how many people that are out there have actually selected an, a learning experience platform or an LXP before. Now you're talking about a really small number of people that have done that. Mm-hmm. Well, how many of you have actually bought learning in the flow of work tools? Very small number of people that have actually done that. The consistent theme though is, is that the message around learning technologies, whether it's learning management system, learning experience platform, learning in the flow of work, learning analytics tools, any of those pieces, even getting into some of the talent plan forms, career development, all of these different elements, that the key is being able to know exactly what you want to do from a process standpoint, not from a functionality standpoint. Because when we come to the it depends, you're going to start to get vendor demos. And you're going to ask, you're going to give a vendor a list of things you want to demo. And you're going to come through the demo and you're going to say, well, can it do this? And the vendor is going to come back and say, it yes. depends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends. Well, the vendor always wants, yes, yes, our software well, can do that. It'll say yes, but then, well, how does that work? Well, it depends. So you're right. So we'll go in that order. So yes, of course it will. It depends on how you want that to work. Tell me about your process. Tell me what, about what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. What's the outcome of that? And, and so you don't want to be in that position of it depends because immediately when somebody says that to you, during a selection project, you're going to go one of multiple routes and now it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. How do I evaluate technology to find out is one LXP vendor better than the next vendor versus the next vendor? You've got to know very specifically from a process standpoint exactly what you want to do and how you want to do it in order to be able to drive and guide that. It's always really about I know we've all talked about it for years. We want your business process to drive the selection of the technology. We don't want the really cool shiny object technology to drive your process. Right. Because once you start changing your process, well, you can change your learning process, but then you have to go do the change management. Now I have to go change the business process, and Mm -hmm. I've got to go change the sales process or a manufacturing line process. That's backwards. Technology is the you know tail wagging the dog type scenario. So it's really, really important that you understand exactly how you want to do some things. Right. You also have to be prepared for the fact that there may be not one piece of technology out there that's going to support exactly how you want to do things because you've created a process that's so unique and different that it, that it just doesn't immediately demo well. Stick to your guns because there's solutions out there to be able to go solve those problems. And just because somebody can't demo it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. A demo, and this this is always, in ha- having run selection projects for, gosh, 18 to 20 years, um, the one thing that we always look at is <clears throat> you're never going to find the answer to the detailed question in the two-hour demo that the vendor 
is offering. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to go buy technology off a two-hour vendor from a demo plus an answer to a bunch of RFP questions, then you're going to be in trouble long term. Got it. You need to make sure that when you're going through this process, and, and I would say this from a budgetary standpoint, from a life cycle standpoint, you need to consider that buying this learning technology, that technology needs to last you seven to 10 years. This is not a three to five year churn and burn and now we're gonna change things and go in with the mindset that it needs to last seven to 10 years because you have to be forward looking about this. If you're only looking at, well, let's look at the past two years and what did our learning technology not do for us? Mm -hmm. that, that's now putting yourself in a position that you're gonna buy 2020 technology, not 2023 technology. Got it. And I don't wanna be in a 2020 technology Actually, don't want to be in 2020 anything, do I? Uh, no. I don't want to be in a 2020 technology. I've got to be forward-looking. So understanding the process and really driving toward that future is going to be critical. To get away from that question of, well, it depends, you have to say, this is exactly how I want it to work. Show me how this works in your system in order to be able to validate whether you're willing to take a risk on that vendor or not. Because there's always, anytime you're selecting technology, there's a little bit of risk, yeah, right? Sure. There's an unknown, because you haven't implemented the technology and you're not sure that you're sure that you're sure. Even people who run pilot programs, there's still a risk because the next level of complexity gets added in. So you need to do your work to make sure you understand exactly what you wanna do to minimize the risk when you're going and selecting those vendors and eliminate the it depends question. Because if you give details and then somebody comes back and says, well, Tiffany, it depends. Now you know you got a problem or somebody's trying to dodge the answer to the question. Fair. So there's a lot of stuff to consider around this topic and, and what we begin to look at. Um, and, and so let's shift a little bit and talk about how to be forward looking in terms of this. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at process, what you don't want to do is you don't want to define your process based on what you used to do. You want to define it based on what you want to do in the future. Now, some of that's going to be a little bit visioning and a little bit of activity of what you want to do. But Tiffany, when your teams are out implementing technology, mm -hmm. I know one of the worst things in the world is, well, our technology that didn't work, this is the process we used. Right. Now... Can you go take that exact process that didn't work in the technology that we've had before and can you replicate that in the new technology and hope that you're coming up with a different result? I mean that's kind of it, mm -hmm. it you're you're stuck in a you're stuck in a hamster wheel I think at that point. Oh, definitely as so. As opposed to looking at the future. Yeah, so a lot of times in implementation it's just what they know, right? So we're working with admins, we're building new tech new system and it's what they know and they it's a known factor. They know what they're going to have to do on a day-to-day -day. even if it didn't work, it's not going to be any worse than what it was. But the whole point of purchasing the software is almost always to improve what they were already dealing with. And so that's that conversation of future looking of understand where that was in your current state, but where are we trying to go? What's the vision for this? I've worked with a few clients that have done an excellent job of really laying out a roadmap 
um, and it, it included their technology, but it was really around their, their learning and people processes. Um, and, and they were able to layer in where and how they expand into the technology. And that's an exercise I wish I saw more, more organizations do. But they've, they've done a really good job, so everything was an incremental step getting to where they wanted to be in the roadmap. Um, <clears throat> what you were saying about the process, I think it's key to understand your, your desired business process so that you don't let the system define it for you. That's, that's a lot of times where we end up seeing the big the gaps eventually for the admins or we see the admins are doing extra work um, that they, they shouldn't have to do, and it's because well, there was a gap in the system, but I had to use the system this way. It's really look for, in, in, in the market, there are so many options out. It's not just an LMS anymore. There's so many different pieces that you can mm-hmm. plug and play. And, and there's creative ways that, you know, even custom solutions can be built to bridge gaps um, to make this all work together smoothly. So define those processes. I, I still am going to stick with knowing who your audience is because that'll mm-hmm. play into yeah. the, what the process really is um, as part of it. And then the other piece that you and I haven't talked about yet but is, is also, I think, really key, and you've talked about it before, is the reporting and analytics that you, you can get out of the system. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on yeah, how I, to answer that? that that's, I believe that the the reports and the data that you get out of the system are where you want to start in defining the process and defining the selection. To be able to really get to that position and understand and to know what I want to get out of it and what the process is, it's really about the information you're going to get out of the system. So that data or the report, and just think of it this way, the data of the report might be information that we need to drive automated assignment or automate workflow processes. The report that we get might be information that helps a manager make critical decisions with an employee about career pathing. It might be that channel manager who's working with the channel partners that are out in the field to be able to make sure that they're certified uh, in order to be able to work together. So in in one of our lines of business that I know we've all worked with a bit uh, in the life sciences world where you've got healthcare providers or HCPs that are out there, it's critical that if I've got a medical device that's going to be implemented by a doctor, that that doctor is certified before I can actually even sell them the product or provide the product to be able to go move forward. Well, what's the methodology of the process is great, but it should be defined by how do I know that singular piece of data that is the doctor is ready for me to begin to go actually sell them equipment. They're able to perform. They're able to go drive forward with the usage of a new piece of medical technology, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that data as an example that helps me get there. And if someone's struggling in a process, be it maybe a compliance process or any other places, the data and the information help us get beyond just the regular administration of activities. And I'm going to give you a great example. So there's a group that we're working with, and um, their absence of data and information creates probably an additional 50 to 70% workload on their learning team because they don't have access to that information and data, and their system wasn't designed to provide the output of that information and data. Now, does the data 
exist in the system? It does, but because of the front-end process, it's not creating the data that allows them to be able to get to that decision point. So the process doesn't get to the right data. Now, all of a sudden, we've got this huge gap, and how are they overcoming? Manually. Mm. Manually, manually, manually. And so you look at that and you go, wow, well, we could actually go, there's a lot of stuff that you could do to begin to go fix that. And as you begin to fix it, now all the team that's out there has the ability to do the higher level tasks and do the creativity and help build that up because we have the right data. Now, that gets back to the original reason I went down that path when you asked the question was the data is going, if we know what data we need in order to inform the answer. Our entire purpose for learning technology is going to be career pathing and career development. Great. Now I know the data set that I need. I can go define what the process is to be able to get to that data. And now I can give it as a part of a selection to a vendor. And the vendor goes, I know exactly what you're trying to take care of. And then you're going to find out, can the vendor do it? Or can the vendor not do it? Do it. Mm-hmm. If they can't do it, then it's going to be very exposed. And if they can, then great. And it's yep. going to eliminate that. It depends. So great question on the analytics and reporting. I always want to start with the reporting and the data. Define what you want out of the system. That's going to help inform the process, which is then going to lead you to a point to know whether the functionality is going to work or not. Every time somebody gets into the long laundry list of functionality, they're looking five years back. Right? They're not looking at what the future is. I need the vendor to tell me what the future is. I need the vendor to tell me where they're going. Here's my process, current state. Here's the future state of where I want to go. Here's the data and information I want out of the system. Go tell me what you can do. Mm-hmm. Don't go provide a list of functionality because the list of functionality that you're looking for probably relates to what you did or did not do the last three to five years and is backward looking as opposed to process and future process, which is going to be forward looking. I think that's a critical key yep. to this entire process is so, looking look into the future and buy in 2023 or 2025 technology, not 2015 technology. So there's a clear progression to this process of, of starting at, you know, it depends or, or how, how do I even know what learning technology or talent technology to select? There's a, there's a progression of from what I'm hearing from you guys that I think is pretty clear is, well, I can't just go to a vendor and say, hey, I'm interested in your technology. I've heard good things about it. Give me a demo. If it looks good, cool. Let's, 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 where do I sign? There's a clear progression of defining business processes, really doing your internal homework first, mm-hmm. um, evaluating what you have, evaluating what you think you need filling those gaps with what the current business processes need to do and, and, and how they how to support those and also looking into the future. That will obviously help inform and make the selection process easier because you can quickly eliminate vendors that don't meet those critical needs, especially around reporting and analytics and user experience and content and all that is really important too. But then you've done all of that homework internally. You've done all that homework with the vendor and vetted and, and done that process. Now the implementation is already set up for success because yep. you've defined all of those requirements that normally some organizations will just pick a vendor because it looks great or it's, it's cost effective or you know they have budget for it, jump into an implementation, and then like 
a couple years down the road say, why doesn't this work for me? Because they didn't do all that homework. That's or right. They didn't work with someone like Blue Water to really define and, and go through that progression. It's more than just a, a, a purchase and an implementation. Yeah, let me let me ask a question along those lines. You just triggered a thought for me. But, I mean, how often do we see organizations that come to us that, and we got into this implementation and we picked the wrong technology and this process won't work. What we want to do is not achievable with this technology. And they come and say, help, how do we get out of this? I mean, how often do y'all see that happen? It's a pretty often got a few right now that we're working through where um, we've had some clients um, select a vendor They've gone live and and now they're coming back to the vendor and the vendors you know, brought us into some conversations to see if there's ways that we can innovate to help solve the problem. But I, I don't know if I can answer how often. Um, I think also some of it has to do with size of clients, right? There's some that have been in this in this game, right? The larger, more global clients, they've been doing LMS or, or learning talent technology for a while. If they're making a change, it's because they know that they're not achieving their mm-hmm. vision or whatever. So more often than not, the larger clients have better documentation, better documented processes coming into the conversation. It's the smaller guys, the ones that have grown a lot over the last you know couple of years, and they're realizing, wow, mm-hmm. I've got to start doing something a little more structured. And they're looking for a, a, a technology to support that they may not already have those processes in place. And so th- those are the ones that more often than not we see come in where we have to stop and do some some process uh, work. And, you know, a lot of times, well, in the demo, I saw them do this. And it's like, right, but let's talk about what you're trying to do for your business because we can do that, but it doesn't mean we should do that given the information that you've, you've given us. Yeah, so it looked really cool. It looked really cool in the demo, mm-hmm. but it doesn't 100% fit the business process. Right. And now we bought based on the demo, mm-hmm. and we didn't truly check out the process. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, yeah, I was just going to – I think we see it fairly often. Um, and like Tiffany said, it, it probably depends on the organization, maybe the, the size and scope of how they've grown over the years because when they initially selected the soft, whatever software they're on, they probably were either trying to solve a, a you know – a problem at the time of need mm-hmm. with that selection of the software mm-hmm. without looking into the future like you've been talking about or they've grown so much over the last three five years of their of that technology that the, their growth has exceeded the growth or evolution of the technology sure. that they're on uh, and there's a lot there, there's so many companies out there that we're working with that we see that have you know taken ex- extremely uh, big strides in the last few years with growth, with development. Last year was a little different, but you know, over yep. the last three to five years, we've we work with clients that have gone from a couple thousand employees to five to ten thousand employees, just like that. And it's hard for a technology that was implemented for a thousand employees to keep up with the demand exactly. of of ten thousand employees. And we even How see a lot of organizations that are in that sweet spot of 1,000, 2,000 employees. They're a, they're a growing mid-sized company now, where they're, but they're still operating, especially on learning and talent, like they're a, 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 a mom and pop shop, right? They've, mm-hmm. There's no, they've never done it, they've never thought about it, but now that there's this many employees, like we've gotta do something. So they throw some things together and, and make it work, but as they mm-hmm. continue to grow, they find those gaps, they find those issues and, and need to solve for the future, not just for 
what's happening today. Yeah, I want to highlight on one thing that you said that that really caught my attention, which was people buying technology to solve an immediate business problem. Mm-hmm. Unless you can do a short-term deal, a short-term lease, I hope you got money to burn. Yep. Because if you're only buying to solve that one immediate problem and to get you out of that immediate hot water mm-hmm. or whatever it has to happen, yet the technology is not going to work for you long term, it will become dormant in six to 12 months. And then nobody's going to use that yep. any longer because it was just for a moment in time of need. So if you have that and you want to go buy learning technology, find a way to go do a short term lease or you know, a one-year or less agreement to solve that problem, please don't go sign a three- to five-year deal and buy technology just based on the fact that it's going to solve one specific immediate problem because mm-hmm. you'll get caught, and that will be a big boat anchor around your neck. Yep. One of the – uh, let's close it down um, with a couple closing thoughts, but one of the things that I think is the coolest thing that we do at Blue Water – is is working with those types of clients that you know maybe 90 percent of their system is working great but there's that 10 percent probably the most important 10 percent that's just never really worked uh and, and one of the things i love that we do is we don't ever say well that 10 percent's not working you probably should move over to a new system we find a way to innovate with them uh, we find a way to really create workarounds, create different integrations, create create a solution that's going to make that 90% turn into 100%. Mm-hmm. And those are some of our best success stories, I think, and what really is, is something that, that we excel at. So being if you have those problems, if you have those issues, or if you feel like there's that one big part of your system that, man, I just can't get over this, we need something new, it's going back to our fix it or ditch it. It's probably not the case to ditch it. Uh, there's there's a there's a solution in there. It just maybe is is hidden pretty deep mm-hmm. underground and needs to be dug up. <clears throat> yeah, I would say that the for me, I'm incredibly passionate about making sure that you're selecting and getting in to the right technology um, when you're when you're making these decisions. These are long term, in some cases, career defining yeah. decisions and investments. You have to take the time to go do the right thing in order to be able to drive forward the right selection. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're caught in a situation like, like we're aware of a couple of groups that we're, that we're talking to about finding a way to be able to help them, where they literally are trying to solve the wrong problems. They're trying to make things easier for an administrator and for a content developer. They're not trying to solve a business problem. And so when you look at that technology, it's imperative, do the homework, do the background. If it takes you six extra months to go select the technology, it will be the best six months you invested in analyzing and evaluating to get to that point of picking the right technology. Because again, you need to think about this from a budget standpoint. This is a seven to 10 year investment that I'm making. Mm-hmm. And if you really take it that way and take that seriously and go do the process work and the background work, you're gonna have amazing success. Mm-hmm. And so that hard work is just critical as a part of the process. So I would encourage everybody listening um, to, to really go out, do the hard work, ask a lot of questions, we're happy to answer questions at any time. Just get a hold of us. Um, we'll, we'll find a way to be able to help you answer questions, 
point you in the right path, the right direction. That's just what we do, and we're always trying to help people out, <clears throat> even if they're not a client or we're not working with them yep. consistently. Yep. So Absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris and Tiffany, as always. As Chris said, if you like what we're doing here, if you have questions about what we talked about today, reach out to us on our website. Uh, or reach out to us directly via email or LinkedIn. Uh, we're all there. We're all very active on, on, on LinkedIn, and we'd love for you to, to connect with us. Like and subscribe our podcast uh, if you haven't already. Uh, we appreciate all the, the listeners we've had so far, and we, we really hope to, to, to continue doing what we're doing. Um, catch us next week as we dive into a little bit different topic, uh, compliance training. Um, how that's a f- being affected by 2020, the mm-hmm. pandemic, uh, reskilling and, and recertifying and, and jumping into the, the challenges and complexities of, of that mess right now, essentially, for a lot of organizations that have employees that either furloughed or have been sitting on the bench and, and have to go through a, a, a grueling recertification process that, that they're probably not used to since they started with that right. organization. So. A lot, of, a lot of fun. Um, and, and today, I, I promise we were not sponsored or affiliated at all with any adult diaper uh, company, <laughs> even though we mentioned it a lot. Um, but it depends on what you think about that. So we appreciate the time, and we hope you catch us next week as we jump into compliance training. Until then, have a great day.